Chapter Six of Historic Girlhoods, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Historic Girlhoods, Volume One by Rupert S. Holland. Chapter Six. Mary, Queen of Scots, the Girl of the French Court, fifteen forty-two to fifteen eighty-seven henry the second king of france was riding into his good city of rouen the townspeople eager to show their loyalty and glad of a chance holiday had decked both the streets and themselves in all the hues of the rainbow henry the king and his company of gallant gentlemen rode into the city by the great highway that led from paris and catherine his queen with her ladies came up the winding river seine in decorated barges taking their course in and out among the many emerald isles like slow calm moving swans the king stopped by the bridge that crossed the seine in the heart of the city and throwing his horse's reins to a page descended the bank to the margin of the river and handed the lady catherine to shore he was a brilliant king with much of the charm of his father francis i who had met england's bluff king hal on the field of the cloth of gold and he bore himself toward his queen with a noble grace her hand in his he led her up from the shore and over the crimson carpets the good people of rouen had spread in their streets to a pavilion fluttering with flags where seats had been placed for them behind the king and queen came the ladies-in-waiting and henry's gentlemen and each man tried to imitate his royal master and hand his lady up the steps of the pavilion with as fine an air several people were already awaiting the royal guests in the stand and among them was a girl about ten years old who was sitting in a big armchair and smiling at the people in the street below at the flags and bunting the music and the cheers as the king and queen reached the top step of the pavilion the little girl rose and stood with one hand resting on the arm of her chair her face was pale but her features were very lovely so that any one would have predicted she would some day be a great beauty her eyes were the rich brown called chestnut and her hair which waved back from her forehead was the same color she wore a white satin cap fastened very low on one side of her head with a rosette of ostrich feathers held by a ruby brooch her dress was of white damask fitting closely with a small ruff of scalloped point lace below which hung a collar of rubies about her waist was a girdle set with the same red stones her sleeves were very large and patterned with strings of pearls she made a lovely picture as she stood before the big crimson lined chair king henry bent and raising the girl's small hand touched it to his lips how is our little queen of scots said he our little bride-to-be of france well please your majesty answered the little girl quite self-possessed and glad to meet your highness here then catherine the queen stooping kissed the girl on each cheek dear lady mary you are a very gem as sweet as any i have ever laid eyes on come sit beside me and tell me of your mother so the ten-year-old girl already queen of scotland and lately brought to france to marry the dauphin francis took her seat with the royal pair and watched the great pageant which now wound through the rouen streets it was a clear fresh noon with just enough breeze from the seine to ruffle the folds of the innumerable banners first in the great procession came the friars and monks in their gray and brown robes and with their sandaled feet then followed the city clergy the gorgeous archbishop in his robes of state with priests bearing gold and silver crosses in a long line after him and the white-clad boys swinging censers to the time of a low rhythmic chant here come the different guilds said a gentleman of the court who stood by the chair of small queen mary 
see the rich salt merchants in their gray taffeta with black velvet caps and long white feathers after the salt merchants came the drapers in white satin doublets and hose with gold buckles gleaming in their high white caps and after them marched the fishmongers in shining red satin each of the trades of rouen went by each arrayed in its own colors and as the pavilion was passed caps were doffed and cheers rose at the sight of smiling henry and catherine and the demure-faced mary after the guilds and the soldiers some on foot and some on horse and all proud and dazzling as so many peacocks came triumphal cars representing gods and goddesses and foreign countries the little scotch girl opened her eyes wide as she saw six huge elephants swing along the street the first bearing on its broad back a tray of lighted lamps the second a miniature church the third a villa the fourth a castle the fifth a town and the sixth a ship after them came a troop of men dressed like turks waving scimitars then followed a car bearing a grotto with orpheus seated within on a throne listening to soft music played by a group of girls who sat about his feet finally appeared a barge bearing an imitation of a grove of trees with a great rock in the centre and hercules club in hand standing by it the car was stopped directly in front of the royal pavilion a monster the seven-headed hydra crept out from behind the rock and as soon as it was in full view hercules attacked it a mimic battle followed and at its end hercules had overcome the monster and cut off its seven heads one of which he held up to the king henry flung him a purse of gold pieces while the courtiers cheered catherine the queen turned toward mary have you ever seen such sights in scotland cherie she asked mary shook her head my people are not so gay as your french she answered mary had been brought up in the customs of royal courts and although she found this of france unusually brilliant she had felt quite at home in it since she had first come from scotland her father james v had died when she was only a few days old and she had been crowned nine months later dressed in robes of state the baby not a year old had been carried from her nursery to the church and there cardinal beton had placed the heavy royal crown on her head had bent her little fingers about the sceptre and had girded her with the old historic sword that had been worn by so many fighting kings of scotland after that the great nobles had knelt before her and raised her tiny hand to their lips in the kiss of allegiance and royal princes from other countries had kissed her on the cheek the little queen had cried seeing so many strange people about her and her mother had hurried her back to the nursery she soon grew used however to seeing strange people and strange happenings when she was five years old she was betrothed to the heir of the french throne the dauphin and a little later was sent to france to be educated her mother chose four scotch girls of noble families to go with her mary beaton mary livingston mary seaton and mary fleming and these four were always with little mary stuart they were called the queen's marys and as they grew up became famous for their beauty and their wit the court of france under henry the second was very gay tournaments had been revived and the king and his courtiers liked to try their skill with lances in the lists the court moved from one chateau to another and at each there were hunting and hawking dancing archery contests and tennis matches wherever the king and queen went there mary stuart went also usually accompanied by her powerful uncles the duke of guise and the cardinal of lorraine in that company of beautiful and clever women the little scotch queen girl as she was could more than hold her own she was already famous for the loveliness of her face and figure and for her learning the court of valois made her their pet and queen catherine used to say our petite renette escossais has but to smile to turn the heads of all frenchmen 
at all these royal chateaux mary met francis the dauphin whom she was to marry he was about her age but pale and delicate and lacking the gay spirits of his father he loved to hear of brave deeds and he had courage but not the strength to do the things he wanted like edward the sixth the boy king who sat on the english throne at about that time francis had never had a fair chance to be happy he liked mary stuart and she liked him which was fortunate but they would have been married to each other whether they had cared or not when mary was sixteen and francis a year younger they were married in the great church of notre dame in paris it was one of the most magnificent weddings paris had ever seen the young queen of scotland was dressed in white with a blue mantle and a train covered with pearls on her head she wore a royal crown set with diamonds rubies pearls and emeralds and at her throat hung a matchless jewel known as the great harry which had belonged to her great-grandfather henry the seventh of england the church was a sea of jewels for in those days men wore almost as many precious stones as women and the great stone pillars set off a blaze of costumes that reveled in all the colors of the rainbow the nobles of scotland were there as well as those of france and as soon as the ceremony was over mary turned and greeted her boy husband as francis i king of scotland handfuls of gold coins were scattered to the crowds in the streets as the bridal party left the church and heralds announced the coming of the queen dauphiness and the king dauphin that afternoon there were masquerades in the streets and at five o'clock a great wedding supper in the palais de justice the men wore suits of frosted cloth of gold the women gowns that were stiff with jewels each dish was presented to the diners to the sound of music after the supper came dancing and then a mask that was the finest the court of france had ever seen first there came into the hall the seven planets of the skies mercury in white satin with golden girdle and wings carrying his wand or catechus in his hand mars appeared in armor and venus in sea-green flowing draperies as if she had just risen from the waves after the planets came a procession of twelve hobby horses ridden by twelve boy princes among whom were the dauphin's two younger brothers later to be known as charles the ninth and henry the third one of the toy horses was ridden by eight-year-old henry of guise whose golden hair and beautiful blue eyes won the admiration of the great italian poet tasso and who was to be the last chief of the house of guise and to fall struck down by the blows of the forty-five guardsmen as he passed through the halls of the chateau of blois to meet king henry the third the little boy who rode so gaily by him now last of all there came into the room six ships decked with cloth of gold and crimson velvet their sails of silver gauze fastened to the masts of silver the ships were slowly steered down the hall each gliding as though carried over gently swelling waters and the sails of each filling with the breath of an artificial breeze on each ship were two chairs of state in one of which sat a prince in cloth of gold with a mask over his eyes as the ships sailed by the groups of ladies and young girls each prince seized a lady and placed her on the chair by his side king henry like a skilful mariner steered his ship close to the marble table by which the little bride sat and reaching down drew her on board his vessel the dauphin caught queen catherine and each of the other princes chose a bell from the group of lovely ladies then as if blown by favoring gales the ships sailed on about the great room and out through the archway to the dancing hall the great ball that followed was worthy of the day the dazzling bride danced the pavon a form of minuet which was very stately and graceful her train was twelve yards long and was borne after her by a gentleman so that she had full chance to show her skill and grace mary sixteen years old 
now queen of scotland and dauphiness of france was quite content with what was already hers and had no wish to conquer other crowns but the grown-up people about her were always scheming and cared absolutely nothing for her wishes where matters of state were concerned so when mary the queen of england died and the princess elizabeth ascended to the english throne henry the second of france insisted that his daughter-in-law was the rightful sovereign of the british isles a great tournament was being given in honor of the marriage of elizabeth of france to philip the second of spain and the french king had mary borne to her place on the royal balcony in a car of triumph with the banners of scotland and england together flying over her head and heralds in front of her crying hail hail all hail the queen of england the people took up the cry and soon all those at the tournament had hailed mary under this new title little did they think that news of this carried by sure couriers to elizabeth in london would cause her to nurse thoughts of revenge against her cousin during many years to come hailed by this new title the innocent girl queen mary took her place in the royal balcony and the tournament began it was an afternoon in early summer and directly before her stretched the green carpet of the lists where the knights were to try their skill at arms the king himself was to set his lance in rest and was already riding up and down at his end of the list on a curveting bay recently sent him by the duke of savoy each knight wore the colors of some lady henry the black and white of the lady diane de poitiers the duke of guise red and white the duke of ferrara yellow and red and the duke of nemours yellow and black it was a stirring sight to see the knights clad in full armor the visors of their helmets drawn gripped their long heavy lances under their arms and setting spurs to their great chargers dashed swiftly across the field and meet midway in a terrific clash lance rang on shield or helm or breastplate the riders struggled to hold their seats in the saddle and then if neither was on horse they rode past each other to turn at the farther end of the lists and prepare for the next onset the little queen with her four marys about her watched the dashes and the shivering of lances with excitement in her eyes and clapped her hands or sighed as a favorite knight came off victorious or was hurled from his saddle to the ground but that day all the knights were powerful and though each challenged the others in turn none could claim to be the absolute champion the sun was sinking low and the knights had given their lances to their squires when king henry rode across to the royal balcony and raising his visor spoke to a man who was sitting near mary come my lord count of montgomery said the king i would fain break a lance with you to horse for the honor of your lady and the glory of france the count rose from his seat it is an honor sire to meet so great a champion in the lists but to-day i must crave pardon the hour is over late for me the light holds well my lord twill see one meeting answered henry i would have the court see how well montgomery can hold a lance it is most gracious of you sire were the time otherwise it was quite evident the count was not anxious to meet the king but henry was impatient of refusal he interrupted and said with a hasty gesture and i must command i will to horse my lord and with what speed you may there was nothing for the count to do but bow whisper an excuse to the lady at his side and leaving the pavilion seek the tents in a short time he rode out to the field his armor shining golden in the sunset his lance in his gauntleted hands a favor of blue and orange ribbons fluttering from the crest of his helmet meantime the king had curbed his horse to a place before the balcony where the queen sat catherine leaned forward have you not ridden enough to-day sire she asked i would beg you to stop one more joust said henry and this one madame in honor of yourself but sire she persisted you cannot excel the deeds you have already done to-day and now you should join the ladies 
henry however with a smile shook his head this one shall end the day he said and rode to the end of the course mary seaton leaned forward to speak to her young mistress the count of montgomery being captain of the scottish guard dared not refuse with you here to see she whispered see how he reins up his charger he is young and not anxious to break his lance on the king's coat of mail montgomery took his place lowered his visor and set his lance at the opposite end the king did the same then at a signal each touched his spurs to his horse and rode furiously fast to the onset there was a crash the shock of steel and a cry from the audience the count had driven his lance at the king's helmet and it had broken short the blow sent the king reeling and he was whirled about so fast that he had difficulty to keep his seat the count rode on but the king only too evidently dazed swayed in his saddle and then fell forward on his charger's neck a dozen men sprang forward and catching the king helped him to the ground a glance showed what had happened montgomery's lance had broken and a splinter of the steel had been driven through an eye-hole of the helmet into the king's head just over his right eye the men took off his armor and carried him as gently as they could into the palace thus suddenly the celebration of the princess elizabeth's wedding came to an end the young and reluctant count of montgomery had given the king his death wound and a few days later the spirited monarch died the triumphal arches and banners were torn down and the bells of paris tolled slowly where they had rung joyful peals so short a time before so the dauphin francis and mary stuart became king and queen of france he was sixteen and she seventeen they were too young to reign and francis was much too delicate moreover there were two or three grown-up people who had no intention of letting the boy and the girl have their way behind the throne stood the boy's mother queen catherine de medici and the unscrupulous and ambitious uncles of the girl the duke of guise and the cardinal of lorraine they headed the catholic party in the kingdom and they were pursuing the hapless huguenots with torch and sword careless of the young king's wishes they plunged france into terrible civil wars wherein massacres were a matter of almost daily occurrence francis and mary were crowned in the old cathedral of rheims where joan of arc had once seen her dauphin crowned and over the royal pair hung the banners of france scotland and england then they travelled south to the chateau of blois and francis amused himself with hunting while the queen and her four maries either rode out after the gentlemen to watch the sport or stayed home to listen to the poems and songs of troubadours or walked on the banks of the small winding river loire she was more beautiful than ever and very fond of her husband francis and their little court made up largely of boys and girls nearly their own age enjoyed itself thoroughly while the dark figures of catherine and mary's uncles were free to plunge the kingdom into blood the house of valois had spent all its strength and the four sons of the gallant henry the second three of whom were to be kings in turn were fated to be weak and sickly francis drooped and pined and a year had barely passed before his reign was ended and mary patient nurse at his side was made a widow charles the second brother came to the throne only to find it a place of weariness and regret and to shudder at the horrors of the massacre of st bartholomew's eve planned by his mother perhaps it was well for mary that her reign in france had ended the land had fallen into evil days wherein there was little happiness for any one the queen of scots still only a girl went back to her northern home and the people of the mountainous land were glad to welcome her back to the old historic palace of holyrood in edinburgh but even when she was leaving france her cousin elizabeth the english queen showed her enmity mary had asked to be allowed to pass through england on her way to scotland but this elizabeth refused and mary was obliged to make the long sea voyage the youth and beauty and the sweet manner of the young queen won all scotch hearts to her she was at once beset by royal suitors the king of sweden the
the archduke charles son of the holy roman emperor and don carlos son of philip the second of spain all wanted to marry her in the midst of the plots and plans of her statesmen the young queen took matters into her own hands and married her cousin the handsome earl of darnley whom she loved with all the passion of her nature though the scotch people had longed to have their queen home again they did not make her happy when she lived with them plots and counterplots surrounded her the leaders of the catholics and the protestants were continually fighting over her and the dashing darnley proved a weak and vicious man mary did what she could to steer her course through these troubled waters but she was met by treachery on every hand at last she was betrayed by some powerful men who wished to be rid of her and to rule the kingdom as guardians for her infant son prince james she was delivered over to the english and charges were brought against her of having conspired against queen elizabeth her judges found her guilty the english queen remembering how mary had been proclaimed in france as queen of england turned a deaf ear to all pleas for mercy and so mary the beautiful heroic queen of scotland came to her death on the scaffold like so many others who had been brought up in royal palaces in that glittering but cruel age she met a tragic fate not so much on account of her own acts as through the bitter hatreds of other people mary's son became king james the sixth of scotland and when queen elizabeth died king james the first of england in france the two young brothers of her boy husband charles the ninth and henry the third had met the same untimely deaths as that young king and the throne passed to the valiant henry of navarre the house of guise had fallen and the bloody civil wars were ending there was little left of that gay court of france where mary had seen such splendors as a girl like the thunderstorm that ends a summer day tragedy too often closed those pageants so it had been with the life of the famous scotch queen who had ruled all hearts as a girl in france End of chapter six